Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. feel like organizations are where all the people are. When we want the world to be a better place, we can help it by helping leaders and their teams run their companies in ways that people want to work there and it makes their days better. People need to be leaders, not just managers. The short answer to the difference between management and leadership is management is moving pieces around the chessboard, uh, taking a, a very black and white concrete approach. You've got an end goal in mind, you're at a starting place, and you're going to move some things around to get you there. Leaders are dealing with people, and people are not machines, they're not equipment, they're not furniture. If you don't treat them the way the human brain learns and delivers, if you think that you can manage them the way you have technology and other processes, then you're going to miss the whole thing about how the brain operates, how we bring our feelings to work, and how we really do want to succeed. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Minnesota in Minneapolis, uh, actually Minneapolis, Minnesota in the USA, Margie Olson, who's an organizational leadership and performance coach. She delivers her coaching with practical strategies and actionable insights for leaders and their leadership teams to build the right foundations for teamwork, productivity, and Best performance. I'm really looking forward to digging into all that today. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Margie. It's a privilege to have you as our guest. Thank you for having me. Now, before we dig into all of those topics, and and you've got some really high profile clients that that you work with, so I'm sure you've got lots of insights to share with us today. Before we do that, what's the impact you're hoping to make in the world? So I feel like organizations are uh, where all the people are. And so when we want the world to be a better place, we can help it by helping leaders and their teams run their companies in ways that people want to work there and it makes their days better. Mm, I love it. Yeah. So kind of impact on people, not just, it's not just the organization, but it's the impact on people because the organization is a collection of people. That's right. I recall in my corporate career, there was a lot of conversation around management versus leadership and we need better leaders. And I could never understand why there wasn't any real good training or real good development of leaders, it all seemed to somehow fall back on management again, even though there was talk about leadership and it was different to management. What, how do you see the difference and what are the challenges that organisations face that, that they struggle to make that transition? Well, first of all, that insight is the right insight. So you somehow intuited that it seemed to be kind of odd how we have all of these leaders, but we're not necessarily standing behind how, how to grow leadership the way we might insist on having expertise in other areas. So we are not insisting on leadership expertise. We are leaving it up to the person, him or herself, and they learned it from people who also 
didn't have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to develop it. And I think that we call it different things in organizations. And some people do get the impression that there is leadership development, there is leadership training, there is management. But if we're truly looking around, if we're looking at data, if we're giving it a a reasonable lens, there's not a lot of that going on, at least nothing that's turning into long-term change. And I think when people ask the question, uh, people need to be leaders, not just managers, or what's the difference between management and leadership? There is an answer. But I think also sometimes behind that question is a little bit of a blame to that individual. Just be a better leader. When really organizations are missing the chance to take responsibility to help leaders grow. And so the uh, the short answer to the difference between management and leadership is management is really sort of very concrete, moving the pieces around the chessboard, uh, taking a, a very black and white concrete approach. You've got an end goal in mind and you're at a starting place and you're going to move some things around to get you there. Leaders are dealing with people. And people are not machines, they're not equipment, they're not furniture. And so if you don't treat them the way the human brain learns and delivers, if you think that you can manage them as uh, something that is just something in your day, the way you have technology and other processes, then you're going to miss the whole thing about how the brain operates, how we bring our feelings to work, and how we really do want to succeed. So any leader who thinks their team is not motivated or is resistant or they're checked out or they're, uh, they're not engaged and they're just loafing, they're hiding behind, not having their camera on, The truth is we are hardwired to succeed. We are hardwired to grow. We want to grow and develop. It's natural. But what happens in organizations is individuals can't make the organization different. And so they're at the mercy of how it goes in the organization. So I work at the top with senior leaders and their leadership teams so that they can get their act together and build their systems and processes. Sometimes for the very first time, they didn't even know it was possible. We put those systems and processes in place, change the way they do things and develop some habits, talk about behaviors and communication openly. And pretty soon everybody else in the company is now benefiting because leaders have taken their place as Mm. leaders. Mm. That's wonderful. One of one of the things that struck me as you were telling me that and explaining that when I went through in the corporate world leadership development training, as they called it, there was a lot of emphasis on understanding people from the point of view of tools, tools like Myers-Briggs, tools like, um, um, oh, I can't think of the other ones now, DISC. Disc. Strengths finder, those ones, yeah. So a heap of those things. And it always struck me because I often answered some of those questions and I thought, well, it could be this or it could be that. And I thought, well, I'm not over here in the extreme end of one or nor am I over there. I'm somewhere in between. And then depending on my mood or time of day or the context of the situation I'm in, I might sort of flow from you know, this part of the range to this part of the range. And yet it always seemed to be that these tools were applied as a categorization of people. And then uh, it it kind of came back to what you were saying about management. It was almost like a strategy. So, okay, this person's a, um, uh, came up on DISC as a, a D or they came up as an uh, INTJ on Myers-Briggs. And so therefore I've got to communicate like this to them or I've got to deal with them in this way which is kind of almost strategic and yet people can't really be categorized that simply so how do you see that and how do you approach um, leadership and and those tools how do you incorporate them into what you do those types of assessments uh, are an example of how we've been trying to lead 
So someone said, hey, do these assessments. You'll learn a lot about your people. They'll learn a lot about themselves. You'll get better work out of them. So right away, the goal is um, has some challenges. You're, you're going after it for um, the reasons that aren't going to get you what you need, but also they're facilitated by people who may or may not um, understand your business and they're done in silos. So I would say the greatest challenge, there are probably three greatest challenges for organizations, and one of them is their silos. So when you bring in an assessment, when you bring in a coach or a consultant, and they do one little piece, you have taken some information and maybe even learned a little bit about yourself or got a chance to say, well, I don't know that that's me, but I think I'm more this and then let the facilitator help you with that. But when you do it in a silo, first of all, everyone knows what happens is six months later, nobody's talking about it anymore. And then that makes people feel skeptical and jaded because it's hard for them to go into the next process to try to learn about each other when they feel like it didn't matter what they did last time. So there is a place for those type of assessments. I always use those. And my favorite, and I'd love to talk about that, is working genius. Mm -hmm. And so Patrick Lencioni, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, uh, the, The Advantage in 2012, his uh, table group has created a, um, the uh, Working Genius, put out a book. They now have all kinds of resources. I'm certified. The role of an assessment is to give you a platform um, and a language and just a, a, a structure to talk about self and each other. There is no one uh, right one necessarily, although if the only one you're going to do, if you're only if you're going to take the time and opportunity to do one Working Mm -hmm. genius is probably the best thing I've seen in a long time, and I I can explain that. We use an assessment like that. I also use DISC. I also have my own team assessment. We use those just to give everybody a start at talking together about the team. So it is not natural in organizations to, to be a team. We have to be teams because we're coming together. An organization by nature is more than one person. So we have to know how to work together. It is not natural to know how to lead in an organization. Every leader who's listening right now, they learn so much about their leadership from other leaders who also didn't learn it. And I'll tell you, our first leaders are the people who were around when we were born. And as a youngest child, there were five other people above me. They were all leaders, siblings, all the adults, and everyone was a leader, but that didn't mean that they knew how to teach me Hmm. how to lead. And so these assessments are a part of a toolkit to give us a platform to talk about who we are and to accept and understand where each person uh, comes in with a perspective and different strengths, because if you don't do that, well, then now you have a gaping mm-hmm. hole. If I bring seven people together and we continue to talk to each other like we are machines, we don't talk about feelings, we don't talk about uh, differences, uniqueness, strengths, uh, uh, challenges, then we're going to continue to have all the problems that we have. So I'll have a client bring me in and they're just putting out fires every day. They're solving the same problems over and over again, but it's because they're each separate rather than having developed as a team. So you can use an assessment to truly understand. First of all, an assessment should help me understand more about Mm. myself. And so there's an art and a science to facilitating that. And then with the right assessment and the language and the conversations about what you're going after with your leadership and your team, now you just use that assessment as a teeny weeny little data point to have the broader conversations. When you have assessments that you then keep alive, you learn some things, you had you developed a language together, you bring it back in your meetings and in when you're doing goal setting and when you're having conversations. But when organizations are leaving people's humanness at the door, that's why they're having the issues that they're having. So if you're not talking about behaviors, if you have people on your team that are going back to their teams and gossiping about you, if you're a leader and you have senior leaders coming to you and, and, and asking you to solve their problems instead of collaborating together, then you, those are the reasons why you are having all the issues that you're having. You're not openly talking about the humanness that we each have at work, whether you want to admit it or not, whether I'm aware of my humanness or not, we all have it. And very effective leaders have developed their own self-awareness. What, my, what I say and do, I understand how it affects others. 
and what others say and do. I understand how it affects me. That kind of maturity, that kind of emotional awareness is what helps a leader be connected to the people that they're leading. If all I was leading were the trucks in the parking lot, I wouldn't need that kind of emotional maturity. I'm leading people and people are complex and they're different. So the last thing I'll say about the assessment piece is it gives you permission to bring together people who are different. If you bring together five people, you've just brought together five people who are different. Even if you think they're the same, they're not. And so, and when you have a team, you need different ways of showing up because you have different needs. There's a whole life cycle of a project. There are the people that are more outgoing and there are the people that are more detailed, people that are big. You need that variety. And what happens in teams, if you're not able to connect on that human level and have the emotional maturity as a leader of being able to, to, to lead the different types, the different preferences, then you're going to miss a whole bunch of creativity and genius right at your table. So you're going to hear from the same people and you're not going to hear from the same people. And so you're going to have the same problems over and over again. You're also going to have talent go out the door because they do want to bring their strengths. They do want to bring their style. They don't want someone to tell them they should be more extroverted if they're not. They don't want someone to tell them uh, that they are, um, they're a certain style. So I'm going to treat you a certain, that's not what they want. They want you to, to, to greet them as a human, check out, check with them on what they think about their style and then do planning accordingly. So the teams have a lot of opportunity. There's a lot, the, you're, the leaders right now, everyone that's hearing has so much gold they can mine in the people that they have reporting to them, but they may not know about that. So they're yeah, missing. Yeah. And I, I so love that you, and you mentioned it several times throughout that explanation of the humanness. And, and I think that's where, a lot of when I reflect back on leadership training that I did and a lot of the in the corporate world and a lot of the focus on those tools, it was not so much about the humanness and it was also not, um, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this, it was also not focused on understanding me first and understanding my strengths and my shortcomings or whatever you want to call them. I mean, I don't like to call them shortcomings, but my areas that perhaps I need to stretch myself a little bit and coming from that understanding and bringing that to all communications and dealing with other people, knowing also, of course, about their styles as well, but primarily focused on what is it about me and how can I adapt and how can I change to influence outcomes as opposed to, well, this person might be a high D or they might be a high I, so I'll just treat them like a high D or a high I. I'm talking disc language here for those that are not familiar with that. <laughs> a leader's number one responsibility is to develop people. That's, that's just their number one responsibility. So what you just described, a leader could help you with that if they understood that that was their role and if they felt like they needed to go after that and build in the tools and processes to do that. But there are many leaders who, they didn't get hired for that. They didn't get promoted for that. They weren't brought in because of their ability to develop people. They could, and the organization would be 10,000 times more effective if they were. But imagine the mess we've created because we don't develop leaders. So if you don't develop leaders, how can you promote them? How can you bring them in from other companies? They're not going to come in with that expertise. And so what do you do? And that was, uh, for me along the way, I, so I came up as this youngest child leaders everywhere as far as the eye could see. So I wasn't a huge fan of top down. <laughs> I thought, well, I want to. I didn't even know the word empowerment, but I wanted decision making to be flatter. I didn't even know any of these words. But the truth is, it is top down because responsibility starts at the top. So the development about yourself and the ability to have both strengths and things that you can work on, a leader can be a, a great partner in that process. But if they've filled their day with that's beneath me, or why isn't HR doing that? Or, or what I see more than um, more often than not is 
inside they want that, but they have no idea where mm. to go with that and they can't talk about it on the outside. So if their role is to help develop people, they don't have a format or a structure to do that. And what happened for me is when I started on teams as a teenager, you know, sports and, and music and theater, and then I got job, part-time jobs, and then I moved out into corporate America, I spent 30 years in corporate America and looked around in, as you mentioned, a whole different variety of great companies in a whole variety of industries, and the issues were similar, and it was confounding to me. Why do organizations struggle with their teams? Why do organizations struggle with leadership? Meaning they set goals and they don't meet them. They have projects and they go way over deadlines. They don't meet their deadlines. It's a year later and they don't even have traction yet. And as a person observing, I'm thinking, why does anybody get away with this? Why are we letting this happen? So I went back and I earned a doctorate in organization development because I wanted to understand what is happening here. To my surprise, after several years of coursework, we already know what we need to know. So, and this was more than 10 years ago. So for 40 years now, it's settled. The art and science of leadership is settled. The art and science of teams and organization, whole organizations is settled. We know what we need to know. When you read a book or a magazine article, or you're listening to someone, an expert on a podcast, they're basing the information about leadership and teams and organizations on some of all these same resources. We know what we need to know. So then I wanted to understand, okay, so then what's happening? Yeah. Well, what, so then I spent the last 10, so I did my research for my dissertation and I spent the last 10 years in corporate America. There's a gap between knowledge and applying it, but also there's all these barriers. So if you can't even bring your human self to the work environment, well, yeah. already, already we have yeah. a mismatch because I am going to bring my humanness, even if you don't want me to. And a leader who's not comfortable with their humanness, they don't want to feel vulnerable. They don't want to talk about their feelings. They've managed to stay in the lane where they keep everything very methodical. And even they have their humanness. So when we unpack it, there's ways that their day can go so much better if they would at least be able to know how they're thinking mm. and feeling. So one of the gaps is just not being able to be okay with the human side. Another gap is we're dealing with the brain. And so um, James Clear, Atomic Habits, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level yep. of your habits. And when we say culture eats strategy for breakfast, well, guess what your culture is? It's all mm. of your habits. Habits are eating your strategy. For breakfast. So we have all, the, so you might bring in someone to, to, for leadership developments. So you're going to have a training six months. Maybe they do DISC. Maybe they uh, bring in a theory about different ways to talk, have, have hard conversations, do performance management, all of that. But if you don't go after it in a way that acknowledges how the brain works, you're just going to go, your brain's going to take you right back. The brain is so happy with yeah. going back Comfort zone. because it's keeping yeah. you alive all day. So you got 99.99% autopilot is how we survive. So the brain is keeping precious, precious resources available for survival. Okay. So when you want to develop a habit of going to the gym or taking a walk or um, having a different communication partnership with somebody in the family, you think about those habits, but you might not be thinking about how you lead all day. Those are habits. And if you want to build a better a team that's more cohesive, let's say, let's say you want them to, to get to know each other better and you want them to be more productive. You want to build trust and collaboration. Those are mm. habits. Gossiping and complaining. Those are habits. So you can do a six-month training on leadership, leadership development, but if you don't actually go after how to interrupt your processes and your systems and set them up for the way that you want it to be, and then monitor and reinforce and go a little deeper for the stubborn challenges, then you're going to have everything is going to revert back to the way it was. So another gap is we have habits and we are not taking the time and energy and space to go after them with a lot of focus. The other gap for leaders is they think they can have 27 goals. 
And they think they can have 40 metrics on a dashboard. And what, what I'm saying is there is an absence of clarity. And when you have seven people on a team, they might be rowing in different directions, even though the leader's boat is going this way. Now, if the leader has 27 goals, it is hard to yeah, follow yeah. that boat. Let's just be clear. So we have to, we have to, we have to get it down to a manageable level. You're not doing 27 things. You think you are, and it's probably also why you're not as successful as you want to be. So you get it to a, the three to five, the really clear who we really are. And then does everybody know it? Can they recite it back to you? Are they saying it the same way? If you've got leadership that have their own teams, what are they going back and saying to their teams? I once had a client four people, a very small leadership team, telling four different stories about the transformation they were doing. And they worked together every day. And when I uncovered it, it was because I was asking questions that they weren't asking. You're making assumptions right now, people on teams and leaders, until you go ask, you're assuming that you know what they'll say about what they're supposed to be doing about who you are and the direction that you're going. So when you are not clear and you don't share that clarity, it's nearly impossible to come together and align on what you're doing and when and who and what, how. And so if you're not clear and you're not aligned, then the information and the um, situations in the organization are just filled with chaos and confusion. And I think what happens with leaders and teams is they have been in organizations long enough to know, oh, that's just how organizations are. There's just chaos and confusion. Yeah, it's inevitable. That is true. When you don't deal with the humanness, when you don't have clarity, when you don't insist on boats rowing in the same direction, and you don't have, you're not clear about who's supposed to be doing what and aligned on that, you are going to have chaos and confusion. And then the last gap is they're not talking about behaviors. So you can pick up a whole bunch of books and they'll tell you what you're supposed to do with your strategy. They'll tell you what you're supposed to do with your schedule, with your technology, with your change management. But if your way of operating or you bring in a coach or a consultant or whatever, and they're not talking about behaviors, they're letting you get by with not talking about behaviors. Well, you've, you've just left half of the thing on the table because we are all behaving. So if you've got me, so one of the ways to fix your meetings and everyone needs to do that tomorrow, one of the issues getting in the way of effective meetings is you're not talking about the behaviors of the meetings. Meetings are not a document or a, a, a piece of technology. Meetings are the behaviors of the people and the way that they're organized. You can fix your meetings, but you're going to come up against all the other barriers that I just mentioned. And if you don't solve those, your meetings will revert mm-hmm. back. So once we get all of those pieces, it, 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 I don't know if you've ever been a part of a big project or you were in a company where they had this really big project that went on for a year and a half. And let's say 40 people were taken away from their normal jobs and they were over here now on this project for a year and a half, some big transformation or some big, you know, relocation or whatever. And they, you know, way too many pizzas and way too many late nights. And oh my God. I never saw, thought I would ever work this hard or work this long. And when they do the presentation to show you what they came up with and to kind of move through the, 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 the actions of, of converting back to going back to work, you'll see people crying. Why are they crying? Because for the first time in their working life, they had those barriers hmm. removed. They had clarity. They had alignment. They got to be human. They got to know each other. They were cohesive. They weren't cohesive because somebody did an offsite yep. and said, we're going to get to cohesive by the end of the day. They put the systems and processes in place to develop cohesion. And so one of the things I love about Working Genius, and I'll talk a little bit about that, is I don't know along the way when Lencioni and his team were coming up with this, some of the issues that you talked about, um, my feeling like I have strengths, but I also have some shortcomings and, um, you know, can I be, can it be okay with that? And can I help develop those? There's a brilliance to working genius that takes away the judgment. It becomes a judge-free way 
to talk about behaviors. It becomes a judge-free way to talk about styles and preferences. And so a little primer on working genius. Working genius uh, addresses the life cycle of something that is being implemented or changed. Let's say you relocate your building or you launch a new product or you develop a new service that clients haven't had. Um, or you're just going to come out with a, a release of a product you've already had. We have a release coming uh, September 1st. Okay. So they created working geniuses and identified that each of us have two working geniuses and we have two working competencies and we have two working frustrations and the G the, the profiles fit the acronym widget W I D G E T and they follow timing. So W is wonder. Those are the people that ask the question, how come we don't have A, B, or C? Or why is this product not working in this way? Or what, what are we going to do to solve this problem over here? We have these, they're identifying really, really big questions and issues. And the, what I love about working genius is they developed that, that wonder as a genius. It's enough. Whoever does that, yeah. that's great. Thank you. You brought such an important piece to the table. Well, I'm a W. And I spent my entire life wondering things and asking questions. And people did not appreciate it. Why is she asking yeah, yeah. those questions? I don't well, know. We, I had a, the I is I had a, a young woman on my team who um, she would be, she was very much in that category. And she would say, oh, what if? And and I found it quite frustrating because a lot of other people would make a judgment and and she would ask questions where people would assume she didn't understand. And, right. and no, hang on, yes. hang on, let's listen to what, why are you asking that question? Where are you coming from? I, so I was always trying to find out where was she coming from? Because sometimes it was a question, hey, I don't understand, can you explain it to me? But 80% of the time it wasn't. 80% of the time it was, what if we did it this way? Well, why are we doing it that way? Why couldn't we do it a different way? And yeah. And what she's doing is what her body and brain do naturally. She can't mm. turn it off. I tried my W, I tried to turn it off most of my corporate life because we didn't have a structure or mm. a process to do the other things. So they needed me to do things that weren't accounted for. And I'm over here with my W not being able to add value. The I in widget is invention. And so those are the people that take the questions and they come up mm. with some ideas. The D is discernment. And discernment, everybody wants to have discernment as their genius, but it doesn't work that way. So you don't have to value somebody else's genius over your own. Be where you are. We need all of them. Discernment on some level can take the ideas, the solutions, and give you some really good intuition about whether or not mm. they're going to work or ask some really good questions. I'm a discernment, so I'm a WD. Those are my geniuses. WD. I can't tell, I can't show you my work for how I got to my idea. I can't tell you why I think this is going to succeed or fail or think, I really think you need to be, go back to the drawing board on this one piece. As a matter of fact, again, in my corporate life, that's a person who gives a lot of opinions. I'm good at giving a lot of opinions. It's not mm. welcome. Why are you giving me your opinions? Can you just please do your job? Okay. But the opinions are in my head all the time, but I don't know what to do with them. Well, guess what? Um, Lencioni, who is also a discernment person, he's an invention and discernment. He estimates 85% of the discerners' viewpoints tend to have merit. Again, can't show our work. It's really hard. But anyway, the discerners can take the questions and the solutions, the potential solutions, and apply a discerning um, lens. Now, we got that far and G is galvanizing. And the galvanizers are the people that are natural at organizing people to make happen the thing that you just invented and are, have discerned. So the galvanizers rally people and motivate them. And E, enablement, is they know how things get done in the organization and they go around and do it and they want to. They have a genius at being able to enable processes. They don't even know why, but they're really good at it and they know how things get done and they are tireless in their ability to be able to make that happen. And then T is tenacity and tenacity likes to check the box. Done. 
And they don't get bogged down with those other parts, except for the other part of their genius, whatever it complements. But T, there is a really uh, good feeling about being complete. Okay. So if we look at widget and we take, let's say a new light bulb, started with a, a question, are, is this really the, do we really want to, you know, ruin the world with these light, da, da, da. Uh, invention, coming up with something, discernment, oh, I don't know, I think, or, ah, I think that's going to be great. Get, so what happens to organizations is they replay the WID over and over and over again, or they galvanize people, they get things set up and they come to conclusion because they're G's, E's, and T's. And I've skipped all that. Yeah. But they did not listen yeah. to the person asking the questions. And they didn't understand the sequence. So number one, it really helps any project or program. But also number two, when people take the working genius assessment, and when I took it, this happens to me. I'll take assessments and my answers won't be mm. exactly what fits for me. So then I really have to read through the processes, talk to the facilitator, whatever. When I realized I was WD, tears started to flow. I felt hmm. seen. And when I have facilitate, when I facilitate working gene with genius with others, same thing. People get teary eyed, they giggle, they get really excited. And what happens is we find ourselves in roles where we spend a lot of time in our competencies or worse in our frustrations. A lot of burnout hmm. happens in our competencies. So one of my competencies is galvanizing. I can do public speaking. It doesn't feed my soul or bring me joy. And Lencioni's team realize that when we work in our working geniuses, we actually feel joy. We experience joy in the workplace. And it's because we truly are tapping the thing that is the most natural for us. So once I, I felt seen and I felt like I was given permission to ask the questions I always want to ask and give the opinions that I always want to give. And once I funneled my time to aim it over into the area where those are what is needed, now I can be honest with my team about, oh, you're already past that? Oh, well, then don't invite mm -hmm. me to the meeting. Because if you invite me to the meeting, I'm probably going to keep asking questions, but we're past that now. So when you have teams that never meet their schedules, they never meet their budgets, they, they're, it's because they're not even seeing the life cycle from beginning to end. And when people feel seen and when they're a team together, now they have a language for talking about each other, ourselves. I don't even have to go into deep, deep, deep feelings when I tell you that I'm really good at asking questions and giving opinions. And so then we've created a space to welcome those. And without those, you're not going to uh, be as successful. And when we can talk to each other about the way we show up, our geniuses, rather than spending so much time in our competencies or our frustrations, we start to get closer. We start to bond we start to develop some trust because we start to have some successes. And when you have successes, and, and now you can go so much faster and so much farther, when you have successes, now you're developing momentum to make the bigger, harder changes that you haven't been able to make up to now. So I love working genius because it accomplishes many things in one but especially because it takes away the element of judgment. I don't have to feel like there's a spotlight on me that I'm not good enough or I'm not the right style. I have what I have. And if you will let me bring it to the table, and if you make sure those other pieces are accounted for, we're going to be able to go fast and far together because we have it all. And when you have a gap, Let's say you have an enablement gap or a discernment gap. You can mm. borrow from other teams. You can hire for it. And we all have all six in us. We just shouldn't spend a lot of time there if we truly have geniuses that we're not able to bring mm. to the table. Yeah, I love that. I'll, um, I'll link to that Working Genius book in the show notes, of course. I'll get that link from you. And um, it's something that I'll have to investigate because I'm not familiar with that. But it sounds absolutely fascinating. It's wonderful. All right. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, I could go on talking leadership and and the gaps and find out more about the working genius, but we will leave people to go and read the book or or look at your website as well. I think it's a good time now, though, to move on yes. to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's the same five questions I ask of 
every guest. So, um, yeah, it's um, the idea is being you'll share some tips from your experience that will inspire our listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. So you all set? So yes. what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? First of all, be present. Do what you can do to quiet the noise around you. It's in you. It's really in you. You can be mired. You can just, your shoulders can be heavy. You can be um, battered down by a system that is not uh, standing up and making room for you. It's in there. You Do what you need to do to quiet the noise and be more present to your own brilliance. We're all psychic. We're all connected to, to uh, skills and abilities. Just because we're not using them doesn't mean we don't have mm, them. Yeah, I love that. And, and one of... Um... One of the things that my business coach always likes to say is that we have everything we need inside of us, but tapping into that, well, that's what she says. My addition is tapping into that is a challenge. So that quietening exercise, whatever that might be, is really powerful, isn't it? And remember why. It's not just the noise out there. It's mm. our brain is keeping us in our habits and it's all the old ways you have to lead your brain so if you want to be more innovative and more present to yourself you got to be in charge of your brain and you can hmm. and you can excellent all right now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas so i uh, talk to other people and as i'm talking i'm actually hearing myself uh, i have found that talking to other leaders is probably the, the best way that I've been able to understand my own leadership because I can hear myself talk. And I also, when we're talking or thinking for some people, it I tend to go in the directions that I need to go in, whereas someone else is going to bring up something else. So for me, I process um, and learn from myself as I'm mm, That's fascinating. Um, I've found recently in, in using um, ChatGPT and the artificial intelligence mm -hmm. that... Yes, people are starting yeah, to do really that. Yeah, that really clarifies yes. for me my own thinking in a way that I've got. If I'm testing something, I've got to articulate it really precisely to get meaningful feedback. If I sort of articulate it the way I would kind of perhaps naturally articulate it in the first go round, I get garbage back, and I think, no, no, that's not what I meant. And then I refine it, and I've so I've learnt that. Um, in order to use that tool well, I've got to be really precise in my communication. And it's highlighted for me, hey, I'm possibly not as precise in my communication in, in all situations as I perhaps could be to be more effective. So it's it's a really interesting point. And I think that what you're describing, ChatGPT is probably getting some of the credit, but the truth is that process you're doing is revising. Hmm. You're peeling back the layers of the onion. You're doing five whys. You're, 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 it's, it's something, and then you go deeper, and then you do another iteration and another iteration. And each time you do, and that's great if you're using ChatGPT for their ideas, but for to, to, to kind of see what you're, where you're starting from. But each time that you went through it, you went mm -hmm. deeper into yourself. It's in there. It's like the bracken in the water, a pump out in a field. When you start pumping to get the what, a lot of dark mm. stuff comes out, stuff that you don't need to drink, stuff that you don't want to put in the fields. But if you keep pumping, you'll see, see the clear water and it's, it's surface deeper, deeper, deeper. It's in there. You're tapping into it through mm. that process. Mm. Love it. Love the analogy too. <laughs> All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? You've talked a lot about um, working genius. <laughs> Do I have a Resource. favorite what? Oh, so I am, uh, do you talk about for leadership? So for me, I love working genius. Um, I also love DISC. I um, tend to use whatever we can to have the conversation. So for me, anytime that people are taking time away from the whatever it is that is their structure to just be, it's really nice to start to develop those habits. And then on a completely separate note, favorite books, when I, when I came across Profit First, that was probably one of my favorite new ways of looking at something. And it helped me be um, a, develop a really healthy skepticism to what we've called 
old um, settled science from a hundred years ago, like we're not supposed to eat fat because fat is the thing that will make us fat. That, um, you know, profit first is turning completely on its head, the formula for profit. And I think it's brilliant and I follow mm, it every yeah, day. Yeah, that's brilliant. And and I have to say, I mean, I had the privilege of having Mike McCullowitz on my podcast some time ago. In fact, he's been on twice. And the, like my business just transformed once I spoke to him and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to apply this. And just all of a sudden, wow, this is amazing. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping leaders and teams and organizations because they're kind of left to the, the old mm. news. They're kind of left to how we've done it before. And people are not putting a critical lens on it and saying, actually, there's a lot of other things that we've learned and we can follow those. And for some reason, the way he writes and the way he talks I believed him yeah. right away. It seemed to resonate. Yeah. All right. Um, what's the best way to keep a client on track? So the same way that you keep uh, your team on track, the same way that I keep myself on track, you need to have developed, how are we going to, uh, uh, no, first of all, where are you headed? Document that, we agree. And then where are you at now? Okay, what's the from and the to? And then how are you going to get there? And how are we going to check in on that? How are you going to know? How are you going to know when it's not changing or it's not working? And then it's most important for the groups that I work with that they take away the emotional severity of being open with each other. And they're not going to do that on day one. So we put in foundational building blocks. But you get pretty quickly to the point where you can talk openly about the things that aren't working or the things that you have that are gaps. That should be okay. And when it's not okay, um, you're, you're, you're going to have to have secrets. You're going to cover things up. And that's why you have the problems that you have. I once worked with a client who brought me in for something else, but they uh, talked about the coach they meet with every week. And they had been for two years. They loved those coaching sessions. I couldn't get them to tell me one thing they had changed about themselves as a leader but they felt mm. good. So they, they, they said the things they need to say, they heard the things they need to hear, but it didn't turn into mm. any action. Deep down, we don't feel as good about that. So we need to be able to be open about how it's going and what you need and the negatives and the positives. And pretty soon, it doesn't take that long, that starts to become normal and it starts to be okay. Now we can talk really about where you're at and let's keep course correcting and we'll keep reinforcing and I'll keep observing and I'll keep being honest as we go. And clients do describe me as practical and clear and optimistic. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. For yeah. their success. Love it. So practical, clear and optimistic. And and certainly in terms of being comfortable with the humanness, as, as you put it earlier, um, I think is a really key thing. And, and that was something in hindsight through my corporate career was kind of lacking in a lot of situations. And I'm finding today that makes such a huge difference. It does. And if you have leaders who are creating a toxic environment, that means that they are not good at doing the humanness. They need to go because there are humans mm. there. And if they're not able to do that, they're, it, it, imagine a computer system that is that every time you use it, it starts a fire. You would get rid of that computer system the first time, not the 17th time. You have leaders who are not dealing with people's humanness and they're, they're, they're making it um, so that it's untenable for mm. everyone else. Mm. Great advice. All right. Final question of the buzz round. What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Well, first of all, know yourself. And the reason it's important to know yourself is you might try to just do something like someone else does it. And you're trying to get attention or you're trying to um, excel in something. But if it's not your thing, it's not mm. going to go as well. Like, don't write somebody else's book. Books are a lot easier to write when it's coming from the place that is uniquely you. So get to know yourself. And this is what I love about working genius is it normalizes and takes, it makes judgment free to be whatever I am. And now drill down into that. Keep looking, keep, you know, combine it with disc, combine it with a team assessment, keep drilling down and you'll, you'll be, you'll find 
what's under there that is uniquely you. And that is what differentiates you without you even having to do much except to be clear, communicate, show up, and yeah, keep at it. Yeah, really understand. So the self-awareness piece is so important, isn't it? And a lot of piece, a lot of people, as you say, kind of try and mimic somebody else without um, reflecting back on who it is that they are. Well, and because we've created in our in cultures, we've 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 said certain types are preferable, certain ways of doing things. Well, that's just that. No, you need everybody. You need all the voices. You need all the strengths. You need all the preferences. All the styles. It's a much better yeah, outcome. Right. All right. Well, thanks, Margie. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. Now, where can people find out more about you and the work you do, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yes. Yeah, so go to Top Team Accelerator, all one word, topteamaccelerator.com, and you can take a team assessment. You don't even have to tell anybody what your scores are. You don't have to tell me that you're there. You can just take the assessment and it'll give you some hints for what you can do based on how you scored. And then you can click on the button to go to my website. All kinds of resources are there. Follow me on LinkedIn. I put new resources on LinkedIn every day. Uh, we This stuff is possible and we already know how to do it. We have to unlearn <laughs> some other things to be able yeah. to make it happen. Yes, unlearning things is sometimes harder than learning new things. <laughs> hmm. yes. All right, wonderful. Well, finally, what action would you like our listener to take out of our conversation today, Margie? And um, yeah. So uh, if you're a leader or a team member, but especially a leader, write out your goals and then check for understanding. Don't tell people what they are yet and, and don't try to trip them up. Tell them, I want to compare notes. I want to take a poll and see, are we talking the same way about my goals and ask each of them to write them down and then let them share and let it be okay for them to be very different and then say, we're heading on a path to get it to where I'm clearer with you and I'm checking with you to make sure that you have what mm. you need. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful call to action and very consistent with the conversation today. I love it. Well, thanks so much for sharing your insights and your wisdom with us so generously. And I've, I've certainly learned a lot. I've discovered a new tool that I'm going to have to explore. And so hopefully I will be able to unlearn something to make space to learn something new. <laughs> and yeah, That's great. all the best for the future, Margie. And please do stay in touch. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash Flyworld and secure your membership to the exclusive Flyworld Nation community where you'll enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywell Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.